Well, welcome to Life Church. It's great to see you. And if you take your Bible and turn with me to Jonah chapter number three, Jonah chapter three, we're in the third week of our series on Jonah. We're going to finish it up next week. I told you at the beginning of this series that if you would uh, simply uh, begin this series with us, that uh, over the course of the uh, four weeks, you would read an entire book of the Bible. 97% of Americans ever finish one book in a year, and you will do it, 97% of Americans. Don't do it in a year, you'll do it in the first month if you just come to church. See, look at all the bonus that you get for that, all right? So um, it is good to see you. And uh, as, we're, as we're going through this chapter, as we've kind of been walking through, uh, this, real, this week is really about the uh, finding and doing the will of God and how that works. Now, here's what I know. I know that it would be much easier if God would just simply show up and like email his will for us every day. Would that not be great? Seriously, I would love that. Maybe you wouldn't, I would. I, if I could just know it, if I just know it, I can, we, we think, hey, if I could just know it, I would do it. The truth is, is that um, God's never worked that way. He probably isn't going to work that way. Um, and, and even if we did know, I mean, there are times, again, with like, in, in Jonah's an example, where there's a clear cut, a clear direction. Um, the reality is, is that uh, uh, we, even if we knew for sure, we, we may not do exactly what he wants us to do. That's that human can deal and that human condition and, and human will. And we all, though, deal with and process and struggle with this will of God from time to time. What is the will of God? How do I do the will of God? And even if I know the will of God, God, are you really talking to me? Do you really want me to do this? Are you really asking this of me? And so this is what we see in Jonah. And in Jonah chapter 3, these 10 verses, this is what he talks about. So I just want to walk through these verses. I want to kind of unpack these and then kind of pull the principles from the, from the verse and kind of speak uh, really to, to this whole subject of the will of God that God speaks to you here in the life of Jonah. So let's, let's read in verse 1. If you don't have it, it's going to be on, your screen, on the screen. But verse 1, the Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And, and here, here's the thing. God is a God of second chances. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, hear that. God is a God of second chances. You know, I know we hear that, but, but, but sometimes we think, yeah, but, my, but you don't understand, Aaron. I think my struggles disqualify me. I, I, I think that I'm, I'm not what I need to be, and, 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 I, and I don't measure up, and I've got these weaknesses, and I've got this stuff. Can I tell you, everybody has weaknesses. Can I tell you that Superman had kryptonite? Every one of us have a weakness. Every one of us have an area in our life that if we're not careful, uh, could really just take us under. A lot of us are one decision away from it just all blowing up. That, I don't know if that brings, creates pressure for you or, or like, oh, I'm not the only one out there. And, but the reality is, is that God's a God of second chances. And, and, and I want to make a statement that I want you to hear when we talk about second chances. And that's this. It's going to be on the screen. Your struggles position you to be used by God. They don't disqualify you. Your struggles position you to be used by God. They don't disqualify you. One more time, your struggles position you to be used by God, they don't disqualify you. Something that in us that says, hey, I'm not perfect, and so because I'm not perfect, God can't use me. I've got issues, and because I've got issues, God can't use me. I, there, there's struggles in my life, and because there are struggles in my life, God can't use me. And the reality is, is that's not the case. The case is, is that we see in the life of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, God tells Jonah exactly what to do. He tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah gets on a boat and goes completely opposite other direction. 
He goes completely opposite from what God told him. He completely disobeys the word of the Lord. I mean, he's a man of God. He's a prophet of God. Completely disobeys the word of God, the, the word of the Lord. But what we see in Jonah's life is that that struggle actually will prepare him for what's going to happen in chapter 3. That struggle will actually compare, will actually prepare him for what's going to happen in, in chapter 3. And, and God could have used him if he went straight that way, but God used the struggle. God used the issue. God used what's going on in his life. And then in chapter 4, he's going to unpack all these emotions and give them to God. We'll talk about that next weekend. But the reality in, is, is that sometimes we think if I'm not perfect, if I'm whatever, God can't use me. It's not true. Now, I will tell you, you go, but now you can't just sin, Aaron, and then just turn right around and do God's work. No, you can't. There is a process. But, 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 but the good news is, is when you sin or when you, or, or when you fail in your struggle, that, or, or if you fail in your struggle, that there is a process. I mean, Jonah had to go through the storm. He had to go through the near-drowning incident. He, he had to be swallowed by the belly of, of and stay in the belly of the fish for three days and to be regurgitated up on, on the shoreline before he gets to this point in chapter 3, verse 1. But God walked him through that process. God restored him through that process. God gave him a second chance. And because he struggled with what God wanted him to do, it didn't disqualify him. Hey, we always have questions. You know, I heard, I heard somebody say one time, when a preacher says to you, God said, he's about 80% sure <laughs> that, that, that that's it. I mean, there's times, man, you're preaching and you're going, and then you walk off the, I walk off the platform and I walk back into to this back green room and I think to myself, what did I just say? I, my mouth just wrote a check. There's no way I can cash. I hope that was God. I hope that wasn't like bad Chipotle talking because, I mean, I'm telling you, we're going to be in deep weeds if it is. Does that make you, give you any kind of comfort at all? I mean, the, the deal is, is because we're flawed humanity. We're not perfect. But God works through our struggles. God even allows the struggles. He redeems the struggles. That's what redemption's all about. So don't get hung up on your struggles. And even if you give in to your struggles and you sin, I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying that God has a way of restoring you and blessing you and helping you back. There's a process. There's a price to pay. But God can do that. Verse 2, the word of the Lord is, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. In the first week, I talked a lot about Nineveh, so I don't want to spend a bunch of time. But I I just want to remind you, Nineveh is this city, about 120,000 people. It's almost kind of like a conglomeration of multiple cities kind of put together. Uh, The Ninevites were from the nation of Assyria. They were known to be a very vile people, to be a very violent people. I mean, they they were the kind of people that liked to start fights. They were known for that. Um, They were the kind of people that would take the people that they would capture, take them to the city square, and they would skin them alive just for the sport of it. Um, they weren't revealed even by pagans, by other sinners, by other hell raisers, if you would. They, they were looked at and viewed as being the worst of the worst. These people didn't believe in the God of the Bible. They worshiped many, many, many gods. And there's, there's also a time, and I can't remember it off the top, in, in Kings, where God sends a message and a word to the Ninevites that if they don't get their stuff in order, and if they don't back off from Israel, that he's going to get involved himself. I mean, these were just bad, bad, bad people. And God tells them to go to Nineveh. And it's interesting, too, in this, is that in Scripture, the prophets of God were sent to the people of God. In this situation, the prophet of God, the man of God, Jonah, is sent to people that don't even profess to know or be under the the, the God of the Bible. 
Here's a statement. Here's a principle. God's direction and his plan for your life doesn't change. God's direction and plan for your life doesn't change. Verse 2, he gives him the exact same direction, the exact same plan, the exact same directive in verse 2 that he does in chapter 1. Why? Because God doesn't change. The Bible says he changes not and his compassions fail not. That, that God is not a man that he should lie. That he doesn't change like the shifting of shadows or the shifting of the sands. But God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He was, he is, and he forever will be. And, and God doesn't change. And God reveals his plan to you and I as Christ followers in two ways. One, through his word. Secondly, through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. One, through His Word. Secondly, through the Holy Spirit. That's the reason why, let's talk about His Word. That's the reason why the Bible is so important in your life, to have a quiet time, to, to daily digest the Word of God, to, to process it. I've had people email me, and, and I understand what they mean, and, and, I, and I appreciate the, the compliments. But people say, man, I didn't even know that was in there. I've read that story a gazillion times. I always looked at it like this, but I totally see what you're saying. and This is what it says, and it's just so applicable. It's applicable because part of my job is, is to serve up the bread of life. Jesus Christ said it was the bread of life. My job is to be the food dude, to serve it up hot and fresh every week, right? Kind of like it's time to make the donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, baby. And, and so the deal is, is it's to serve it up every week, hot and fresh, to build the believer and to serve the seeker. Every weekend, that's my job. That's my calling. Look, I don't have a lot of gifts in life. Now, I know I'm good looking and skinny. Don't laugh. <laughs> but yet you laugh. And It hurts. But not enough that I'm not going to China Buffet after this. Anyhow, <laughs> the, the, the deal is, is the one thing I have is to do this. That's my gift. I got one talent. And I'm going to work it. I'm going to shake it and bake it any way I can. And, but the reality is, is that that's my job to do that every weekend. But all I'm doing is taking the word of God. All I'm doing is getting into the word of God. All I'm doing is just asking the Holy Spirit, illuminate, give me wisdom, insight. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians says? That's the working of the Holy Spirit and the body of the church is to reveal, to give insight, to give revelation, give knowledge. Sometimes we make the Holy Spirit this spooky, Casper the friendly ghost, unfriendly ghost kind of deal that just kind of shows up in church. And, it's, and if it's the more mystical and weird that it is, the more godly it is. The Bible says that God's not the author of confusion. The, the, the Bible says that God is a God of order, that God's a God that, that brings all that together. And so the reality is, is that God works the Holy Spirit in concert with his word. But if you will open up the word of God, God will speak to you through his word. And he will speak to you about things and directions in your life and things that you're supposed to do and how you should deal with your finances. How do you deal with your, with your spouse? How do you deal with your kids? I mean, think about the number, the myriad of subjects that we deal with at Life Church on a week-in, a week-out basis. I mean, it's stuff, it's Monday through Friday stuff. Where do we get it from? The Bible. Why? Because that's the only thing that, that will never return back void. That's the only thing that's life-giving. That's the only thing that produces. My words will fade away, the Bible says, but his word will remain forever. And so I encourage you, get in the word, cherish the word, get involved in a life group, get involved in a Bible study, mine out the word, develop the word, read the word, listen to the word. And, and the other thing is the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will never conflict the word. The Bible says that the role of the Holy Spirit is to be one that walks alongside of us. The Greek word for that is paraclete. He's to walk alongside us. He'll comfort and convict us. He'll lead us into all truth. And he will always point to Jesus. That's his role, to point to Jesus and to lead us. And so when Jesus leaves this earth, the Bible says that he left the Holy Spirit behind. Not so we have something to do on the weekends at church service we get our shout on. It's from Monday through Friday. It's before you go into the business meeting. It's as you're traveling to meet the client. It's you're picking the kids up from school. In, in your prayer time late at night or early in the morning or in the middle of the day. 
I mean, I found myself this past week, I was driving through central Wisconsin, and there just wasn't a whole lot going on. There was nothing on the radio, and I just turned everything off, and I just took that time just to pray. Pray in the Holy Spirit, just to pray and allow God to move. And I'm telling you, by the time I got to my destination, I was so filled, I was so ready. Why? Because the Bible says that when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. And so the Holy Spirit, in concert with His Word, the two work together, that, that triune Godhead, that all works together in your life, and God will give you direction and insight if you but ask of Him. And His plan doesn't change. If you're 65, His plan for your life doesn't change. If you're 25 and you've screwed life up, his plan doesn't change. But, 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 if if and buts were candy nuts, we'd all have very Merry Christmas. No, 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 no. His word and his plan doesn't change. I mean, you really want to be technical. We don't see a shower from, in, in Jonah from chapter 2 to chapter 3. I bet he reeked when he was vomited up on the shoreline. Mmm. I would have been like, hey, can I just have a day at the day spa? Right? I need back massage, right? You know, get all ready, get pampered. I smell good. For I got to preach your word, Lord. No, no, no. He goes directly to it. Doesn't matter. God's word doesn't change. You ever met somebody who was called to do something and they weren't doing it? You ever met a Christian? A person who, who at one point in time was active and vibrant in their faith and with Christ? And something happened, they got hurt in church. If you hadn't gotten hurt in church, man, just wait. We'll, we'll, we'll hurt you after church and then you can get over it. I mean, anybody, everybody gets hurt in church, right? It's just it's true. I mean, it just is. Or something happened, life happened, whatever, and they're bitter and they're calloused. Right? They're kind of like the old guys in the Muppets that sit up in the, right? You know, sit up in the deal that just negative, right? Grumpy old men, right? You know what I'm talking about? Just wah wah, wah wah, all the time, grappling about something. Why? Because they were called to do something that they're not doing. And people that are called to do something that aren't fulfilling their purpose, that aren't living life in the lane that which they were intended to drive in, are not living life in the way that God's created them, they're miserable. And there's a lot of displaced Christians. You know what you're supposed to do, but you're just not doing it. And you don't do it because of fear or because of restraints, because you've never been there, because it's scary, because it's risky, because you really don't want to go to Nineveh. I mean, hey, we've all been there. God, I really don't want to go to these people. Every other, every other prophet gets to go to your people. Gets to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a nice city. You know, nice hotels, good restaurants, and nice nightlife. Night, night I got to go to Nineveh. These people just peel people alive for the fun of it. Would you want to go there? I wouldn't want to go there. And God says, but that's where I want to go. That's where I want you to go. And the reality is, is God's direction doesn't change. And we don't get to choose our assignment. We don't get to choose that. But when you find people that, aren't, that are displaced out of that, they're miserable. And his direction doesn't change. And, and God tells Jonah again, I want you to do exactly what I told you to do in chapter 1. So let's read verse 3, 4, and 5. So Jonah obeyed this time the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey to the city. And began to proclaim, kind of like a, just like a, a street corner preacher, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God, capital G. They don't even serve God, capital G, but they believe God, capital G. And a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, you know what the word all means in the original language? Everybody, okay? All of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, which was a sign of repentance and a sign, an outward sign of humility. And the lesson here that we see is obedience is always better than sacrifice. I'm going to unpack this just for a second. Obedience is better than sacrifice. All throughout chapter 3 is kind of a comparison contrast between Jonah, the saint, and Nineveh, the sinner. 
Jonah, the man of God, and Nineveh, the people that are far away from God. God asked Jonah to go do something, and Jonah tucks tail and runs the opposite direction. The very first time the Ninevites hear the word of the Lord, they surrender themselves to it. Jonah has to make sacrifice before God, has to repent before God, and a near-drowning, near-death experience in the belly of a fish for three days. Nineveh hears it the first time and they obey. Jonah, man of God. Nineveh, evil. Both receive the word of the Lord, but both respond completely different. And they end up at the same place in the will of God. But one ends up there through much pain, and the other one ends up there because of surrender. We always have a choice. When God speaks to our heart to do something, when God speaks to our heart to, 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 to be a part of something, when God speaks to our heart to obey something, either through his word or by, by, just by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. You're sitting in church, and you're living with somebody. You're, you're in an extra, you're, you're, you're in a, in a, uh, a not a marriage. You're, you're, in a, you're just basically living in adultery. You're having sexual relationships with somebody. You share the same house, you share the same, and you got all the reasons. It's a tax write-off. It's a benefit. We just kind of do this. We didn't intend for it to be this, but it got this way. We're trying to stop, so we're in different bedrooms, but occasionally, and uh, Right? And you read, the, you read what the Bible says, and the Bible says that adultery is a sin, period. I didn't write the book. I didn't establish it. And your first inclination, you go, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's da, 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 da. You either have an opportunity at that moment to obey and go, you know what? It doesn't matter what the tax, the tax benefit is. It doesn't matter what the financial situation is. It doesn't matter if I have to sleep in my car. This is wrong. The Bible says this is sin. And I have got to deal with this in my life or it's going to deal with me. You have a choice. And in that moment, obedience to God's word is always better than sacrifice. It's always better than having to go through the storm, near-death near drowning experience. I'm, I'm referring to Jonah here. Being swallowed up by the belly of the fish three days and regurgitated out only to go do what you know is right. And so all throughout scripture, the Bible is descriptive and prescriptive. And on the things that it's, de it's prescriptive, this is what you should do, this is what you should not do. When you walk outside of those boundaries, you're either going to have to make sacrifice to God and say, God, forgive me, get me back in line with you. I know Jesus paid the price, but I've got to receive that. Now I've got to go back to the process of getting back into your will, or I have a choice to obey. And we see this. Jonah doesn't obey, and he has to go all the way through the river and through the woods to get to the will of God. Nineveh hears the word and they obey. We're not rock'em, sock'em robots. We are all free moral agents. God gives us the ability to choose. Now, here the deal is. You don't answer to me. <laughs> so don't come confess your sin to me. Like, if it, well, if I tell the pastor, maybe it'll be better. If you just really understood. No, 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 no. Let me, let me say this real clear. I don't mean to be mean by this. I think the old line preachers had it right. Sin is sin, and holy is holy, and wrong is wrong, and right is right. And we serve a righteous God who will judge us for how we live our lives. Period. I didn't write the book. Is there grace? Yes. Is there forgiveness? Yes. But God will not allow you to use grace as a welcome mat to wipe your feet off on so you can go live an unholy, hell-raising lifestyle just to do what you want to do. At some point, and, and I'm not your convictor. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just the pastor. So don't confuse me with that. But, the, but when God's word says it, the Holy Spirit speaks it, we have a choice. Are we going to obey or are we going to go our own way? And if you go your own way, God just kind of says, okay, go on with your bad self. Peace out, Girl Scout. Do what you need to do. And when you come to the end of you, 
then at the end of the day, you're going to have to make some sacrifice. You're going to have to, it's going to hurt a whole lot more to get on, on board than it would have been if you would have just done what God asked you to do. Does that make sense? And God's not trying to be some cosmic killjoy. He's simply trying to work great things out for your good because you see what God had in store for Jonah. He goes to Nineveh. They receive the word and revival breaks out. That's what God wanted for Jonah all along. Jonah thought, they're going to kill me. They're going to they're skin me alive. God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to set you up, Jonah. You are going to be one bad mamma jamma walking into town. I am going to elevate you to a level. And I'm going to show my glory. And I'm going to choose to do it through you. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. Verse 6. So when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose, the king, uh, from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust, which again was a sign of repentance. Let me say this. Remember, God is at work behind the scenes of your life. God is at work behind the scenes of your life. God's asked you to do something. He's at work. But man, you don't know what kind of boss I work for. It can't be any worse than this king. You don't know what kind of stuff I deal with. It can't be any worse than these people. I'm telling you. If I had time to, to just to read Western Civilization 101 from the University of Wisconsin, what they say about the, the nation of Assyria in this day and time in 700 years, 700 B.C., you and I would be like, what? There would be some things I would have to censor because I wouldn't be at liberty to say it in a public setting like this. These were some vile people. God's at work. When Jonah shows up, man, it doesn't just affect the, 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 the pauper on the street. It's the king. It's the nation. These people don't bow to anybody. And all of a sudden, they're bowing their knee to God, Jehovah God of the Bible. I mean, this is revival. This is like, this is like amazing. It would be like if we showed up in Germantown 10 years ago and said, hey, God wants, you know, God wants to do a great thing in this city. And the, and the city officials and everybody, they shut the government down. They shut everything down. They said, all we're going to do is we're going to fast and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to bless our city and all 20,000 people that live in the village of Germantown, we're going to do a 180 and serve God. We'd be like, Wow. And you know what's hard for us to understand? We've never seen that in our lifetime. We've read about it. We read, we read about it in history. We read about it here in the Bible. We've never seen it, but that's what's happening. And, 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 the, and the, the principle is, is God's at work behind the scenes. Listen, whatever God's called you to do, he's already preparing the ground. Whatever he's asking you to do, he's already working behind the scenes at your job. Uh, with, with people that are in the kingdom and outside of the people, with people that are Christ followers and people that aren't Christ followers, God's at work. God's moving on your behalf. He is moving heaven and earth on your behalf. He is at work on your behalf. And you may not see it. You may not feel like it. You might have just come through a storm, a near-death drowning experience, lived in the belly of a well for three days, vomited up on the shore, and one day into your journey to do what God wants you to do, boom, it shows up. But I'm telling you, God is at work. Whatever he's called you to do, maybe you're a student and you're trying to live for God in junior high or high school, he's at work. Don't become weary and well-doing for in due season. If you don't quit, you'll have reward. Maybe you're starting a new business, and it's tough. He's at work. Maybe, maybe you're into a, a marriage, and, and things are rough, and, and you just kind of go, is it even worth it? I'm telling you, he's working behind the scenes. Maybe you're married to someone, and they're far away from God, and you go, man, this is so tough, and this is so difficult. I'm telling you, don't become weary and well-doing for in due season. If you don't quit, you'll have reward. God is at work. We serve a God who the Bible says that the presidents of this world and the kings and leaders of this world don't get to their positions without the hand of God, that he brings some up and brings others down. God moves everything in this world at his command. 
He is in control. He is sovereign God. He is the great I am. He, he is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, that which was and is and forevermore shall be. Why? Because he's sovereign. He is in control at all times and in all situations. And even when it doesn't seem like it, and even when you're in the middle of the storm, and even when you feel like you're drowning, and even when it stinks, he's in control and he's working behind the scenes. And somebody that here needs to hear that, that God is at work on your behalf behind the scenes. And you go, but who am I? Who's Jonah? I mean, Jonah, if you read the rest of the book, he's a pretty jacked up dude. I mean, to be really honest with you, he's really kind of messed up. I wouldn't have used him. I, I wouldn't have him on my staff. I'd be like, really? Go somewhere else. Go be a door greeter at Walmart for a while and see how that works out for you. I mean, I, you know. God's got a lot more patience than we do, but he's at work behind the scenes. Verse 7, 8, and 9. This is the proclamation that the king of Nineveh issued. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. So basically, do not let them eat or drink a full fast. But let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth, and let everyone call urgently on God, Jehovah God, the big G. Let them give up their evil ways, and their violence, completely repent of their ways. And who knows, may God, God may yet relent and ha- with compassion and turn his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Now, I want you to check this out just for a minute. Because this is like, seriously, this is old school, old school. I mean, th- this is like the old-timey preacher that would, that, would, that would stand behind the pulpit with a big hanky, wiping it because it gets all sweaty and preaching for an hour and a half. And, you know, oh, the Lord is coming back. Right? You remember this? He's looking for a church without spot and without wrinkle. Mm, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Right? You, any, like, just let me tell you about how bad you are, Life Church. You're just a bunch of nasty old sinners. You're never going to make it in. Maybe one day. You remember growing up? I grew up in church like that. I thought, oh, I'm going to go to hell every single week. Oh, God, don't let me go to hell. I got saved every week. They scared the hell out of me. I mean that literally, not figuratively, you know? It's like, oh, Lord, please. Right, right? I grew up in church, man. I would come home after school, and nobody was there. Like, the rapture took place. I'm left behind. Before Tim LaHaye wrote Left Behind, that was my life. I was like, oh. And then my mother would call. I'd be like, okay, mama. You're... I would call my grandmother. Five, seven, eight, four, five. I'd call my grandmother. grandmother and if she'd be on the other line, yeah, but she'd oh, baby, you're all right. You're going to go to heaven. God's got a great plan for you. And then she'd tell me how great I am. I'm like, okay, I'm all right. I mean, if I, but if I couldn't find anybody, whoo. Do you remember that? Remember my mother would say, you know, the Bible says that the, that the trumpet of the Lord will sound and time will be no more. And you'll look to the east and he will part the eastern sky. So I was always want to know where East was. <laughs> and we lived in the south in Tornado Alley, and those big cumulonimbus clouds, I was like, oh, guys, God. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what's going on here. I mean, this is old school Billy Sunday Methodist circuit riding preaching right here. I mean, everybody needs to get right with God. Everybody needs to, need, need, needs to, needs to get, get the sin out of their life. And, and, and you know, I mean, it's the whole deal. And that's the king. That's not even Jonah. That's the king. Jonah just comes in and gives one, one message, and people just, boom, it happens. And the principle is, is God does immeasurably more. God does immeasurably more than we can think or ask. We think so limited on what God wants to do. 
I'm telling you. We, but we have allowed life sometimes just to shrink us like a pair of button fly, 501 blue jeans. Just shrink to fit. Just shrink it down. And God wants to do immeasurably more. Jonah's just in here doing his job somewhat reluctantly. And God does a full-scale revival with his entire nation. Can I just tell you, that's the kind of God that we serve. That's the God that you serve and that I serve. He's a God of more than enough. Well, that's just prosperity teaching. Well, go on with your poverty self. You go ahead and beg and plead and borrow and steal. I'm telling you, the Bible says that we can be blessed, blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed going in, blessed going out. That's Deuteronomy. That's old school, Old Testament law. That's Levitical law, if we'll but do God's word. That God wants to bless you and give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, it's on the wall as you leave. Why? Because he's a good God. And I think from time to time, he likes to blow our minds with what he can do. I think he likes to fry the neurons of our brain that I can do anything, Aaron, I want to do at any time. I am not held by time or by space. There is nothing that's above me. Everything is below me. I have everything within my control, and I can speak, and life can exist. That's the kind of God we serve. So whatever's happening over your bills, just know that's a God that you serve. What's happening over your employment situation, just know that's the kind of God that you serve. That's who you're praying to. The God of Jonah, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the God of Peter, the God of Paul, the God of Timothy and of Titus and Philemon. You and I serve a God who is limitless and wants to do immeasurably more. And verse 10 reveals what he did. And when God saw what they did, the Ninevites, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Again, he didn't tell them he was, they were destroyed. He just said, I'm bringing destruction. Unless you do this, you must turn. You, you turn or burn kind of a deal. And again, he ends this chapter with God is a God of second chances. He begins it that way in Jonah's life. He ends it that way in Nineveh's life. He begins it with the saint and gives the saint a second chance. He ends it with giving the sinner a second chance. He begins it with Jonah who knew better but disobeyed. He gives him a second chance. And he ends it with Nineveh who were lost and dead in their sins and didn't even know it. And he gives him a second chance. And God actually uses all of this in Jonah's life. All that he's experienced to prepare him for what he's going to do. Because Jonah was lost. Jonah was disobedient. Jonah had to repent. And God blessed him. Nineveh was lost. Nineveh was disobedient. Nineveh had to repent, and God blessed them. It's a God of a second chance. We serve a God of grace and of mercy. We sang about it, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see.
chains are gone. I've been set free. It's a God of a second chance. And maybe you're here today and you've royally blown it. Just hear that. God loves you and he wants to give you a second chance. And that's not Sunday morning Christianity. That's not just like weekend preacher talk. That's the word of God. I didn't write this. This is it. Over and over and over and over, God declares that he loves you and has a plan for your life. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. And he will do by grace what the law was unable to do. He will hold you by his grace and by his love. The Bible says that, 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 we, that we repent because of the kindness of the Lord. We don't turn to God because of his harshness. We turn to God because of his kindness. We repent because of the kindness of God. Oh, we know he's a righteous judge. Oh, we get that. We get that he's a soon coming king. We get the book of Revelation says that I see a king in the clouds with a crown on his head and with a sickle in his hand. And he will come and he will harvest the earth and then the end shall come. We understand that. Hollywood understands that. There's an end of the world. Everybody knows it. We just don't know how it's going to go down. We do, but they're all still scratching their head and go, that must be too simple. But God is not here to destroy. God is not here to punish. God is here to give grace and to give mercy to anybody who asks. Acts says, the book of Acts says, whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, I don't know where you are, but I know where you can be. And I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me really quickly. Online, Germantown campus, West campus, just bow your head, everyone. Just bow your head and close your eyes, just out of respect for the people that are in this room. You're here today. And you're under the sound of my voice. And you've heard what I've said. And it's not my words, it's God's words. And maybe you're the saint who's just walking in disobedience and you know you're supposed to go to Nineveh and you haven't wanted to go and you go, you know what, man? I'm willing. God, forgive me. Or maybe you're Nineveh and you're lost without God and you're dead in your sins and as you've heard this message today, you said, you know what? I want to repent. I want to surrender all. I want to give it to God. If God is really the God of the second chance, then I want to do. Just like I want to give my life to him. If that's you in this room, I'm just going to ask you very quickly just to slip up your hand, up and back down. I'm going to pray for you. Thanks, 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 thanks. All over the room, thanks. Just up and back down, man. Thanks, 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 thanks. Anybody else? Thanks. You're not responding to me. You're responding to, you're responding to God. Even if you're at a campus and you're watching this on video, you're responding not to me. You're responding to God. There's a campus pastor that's, in that, that's, that's there that, that's watching. Thank you. Just simply giving it to the Lord. Here's what I want us to do. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10, if we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that we will be saved. It's with our mouth we confess and we believe. It's with our heart that we believe and we're justified. And, 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 and here's what I want to do. I want us to pray this prayer together. And praying a prayer doesn't save you. But if you believe the prayer you're going to pray, this prayer of repentance, this prayer of, of, of doing a 180, this prayer of God forgive me for my disobedience and I choose to follow you and your will come into my heart and come into my life. If you believe that, the Bible says that you will change, that God will save you from yourself, save you from your sins and come into your heart, come into your life and give you a second chance. 
So I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to ask those of you to, to lend your voice with those who are praying this for the very first time at all of our campuses, even online. You're watching. Say this prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, and to be my personal Lord and Savior. I ask you for a second chance. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my disobedience. I repent. I turn away from, and I turn to you. And I ask you, with your grace and your mercy, to give me a new start and a fresh start today. In Jesus' name, amen.